If you can get really clear on your messaging, you will never run out of things to talk about. You might feel like you're saying the same things on repeat over and over again. And that's okay. Like, that's the point. Like, if you can get feedback from your listeners where they're like, I want to ask you this question, but I also know exactly what you're going to tell me. You've won. You've won the messaging and the podcasting game. And so I think like having that depth of your messaging, even if it feels mundane to you, that's how you build trust with people. And that's how you build really loyal, engaged communities who show up over and over again and listen to your stuff. Like there's a little like micro group within my group of moms who are like, we're going to listen start to finish together. And then we're going to do it again. And I'm like, amazing. Like that's what ultimately that's what I want my podcast to be. Welcome to another episode of Listeners to Lead, where I'm helping podcasters launch and maintain a lead generating show. I'm your host, Alicia Galati, the CEO and head podcast strategist behind Galati Media, a full service podcast management company. On this show, you'll hear my guests and I discuss everything it takes to launch a successful podcast and keep it running. If you're ready to get leads, land speaking gigs, and create deeper connections with your audience through your podcast, then this is the show for you. Today on the podcast, we have Krista. You are going to love this conversation. I have to tell you guys, Krista and I stayed on for almost an hour after this conversation, talking, getting to know each other, sharing stories. We tried to keep it focused only on the podcasting side during this, but I think you're going to love Krista as much as I do now that I know her. Krista has had a podcast for three years. She talks about building a community and launching imperfectly, which yes, we are here for it. Join me in welcoming Krista to the podcast. Hi, Krista. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am so excited to chat with you. If you could just start by telling everyone who you are, what you do, and about your podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I am, first of all, a mom of five. I like to lead with that because my podcast is Motherhood Simplified. So I teach moms how to declutter their homes, the physical stuff inside of their homes, so that they can simplify all of these other areas of mom life. Like I told you before we got on, I'm like, just so you know, like my toddler was sick all night. So yeah, I love teaching moms how to declutter, especially if they're entrepreneurs, especially all kinds of moms. But you know, we need simplicity. Like we need everything in our lives to be distilled down to like the most basic form, just so that we have space to respond. And that's really what my podcast is about. So yeah, I teach you how to declutter your stuff. It'll be cleaner. It'll be more organized. But really, it's so that you can have that space. Yes. And I think that's so important, especially for moms. I'm the oldest of five, so I get it. <laughs> like, I understand the mess that comes with that many kids. And my mom was a single mom. So that added element of her trying to work and keep the house clean, me being the oldest and really like rallying my siblings and being like, come on, we got to clean the house. Mom's on her way home come on, let's clean the house. So yeah, kids pick up a lot of stuff. They just, they have so many things. I didn't know that you were also, I'm also the oldest of five. And I also had a single mom. Well, single, they were divorced. So they were both single parents. But yeah, like that was me. Like, hey, everybody, like mom's freaking out. She'll probably clean up, you know, which is kind of an unhealthy response in hindsight. <laughs> but you know, I was just trying to help out. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it really makes us the adults that we are today, right? 
So you've been podcasting for three years. That's incredible. It is. Oh my gosh, yeah. One of the things that you wanted to talk about while we were on here is that launching imperfectly. And we've had a few examples of this, but I always love to hear people's different stories, how they launch their podcast. So if you could just tell us first, what led to the launch of your podcast? What was that kind of catapult that drove you to do it? And then how did you launch it? Yeah. So I discovered podcasts in 2017 when I was kind of dabbling in like blogging and and wanting to do business stuff. And I don't know what, where I landed on the internet, but it was like this really complicated thing. And it was like, I can't figure out how to record. I can't figure out how to upload anything. I didn't know what I was doing. And so because I had that experience, I just assumed that podcasting was complicated and way above my skill set. Then fast forward to 2019, when I had opened up my group, Motherhood Simplified, it was a Facebook group, and I was going live every day. I was going, I was going live a lot because I really wanted to grow and practice my messaging and find people. And it got to the point where people were asking me like, hey, where's that replay that you did on this topic? And I would be like, I have no idea. You're going to have to just like dig through the group <laughs> and find it. And I remember one day I was recording a video for a course via Zoom and it downloads it and there was an audio file. And it was like, you know, there's like the video file and the audio file. I was like, oh my gosh, an audio file. That's amazing. I wonder if I could turn that into a podcast. And I did a little researching and found Anchor because um, it was free. <laughs> and I uploaded it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's all I have to do to start my podcast? Amazing. And so I kind of played around with it a little bit to get it set up and get it like, you know, so that they sync up to all the platforms and then told my Facebook group and that online community that I have a podcast now. Like, surprise, I have a podcast now. And you can go find all of these videos and stuff in one place. You don't have to dig through social media. You don't have to get distracted. Um, You can listen on the go, which is a lot easier to do via podcast rather than like a video on Facebook. You accidentally click out or whatever. So that's how I started my podcast. It was mostly by accident and also to help my community find what they were looking for in a simpler way. I'm curious because a lot of people, they're like, hey, I started my business. I'm going to launch a podcast. And I'm like, oh, no, please don't do that for the love (laughs) of everything. I like that you had your group already. What did that group kind of look like? If you're okay sharing numbers wise, like around that time when you launched your podcast, because so often people are like, I launched this podcast and I'm new and nobody's listening. And then they want to stop. And I'm just like, ugh. And I think that this is where people get confused in like, when you launch a podcast, everybody's not going to find you the next day. If you already have an established community, an established message, an established group that you can direct them to the podcast, you're more likely to get the download numbers that you may be looking for. Yeah, definitely. And I will say I went into podcasting very naive, like just not knowing what to expect. And I agree with you that if I had just decided to start with a podcast first, like I had tried in 2017, it wouldn't have worked because podcasting, I think, and you're the expert here, but you know, like at least with YouTube, you can do SEO, right? With podcasting, unless you're adding it to your, like your WordPress site, you don't really get SEO. 
And even doing that is complicated. Like I'm just now getting to a point where I have the bandwidth and the understanding to get my podcast onto my site in a blog form and add SEO to it and all of these things to get more reach and listeners, right? But my Facebook group at the time had a few thousand people, maybe like two or 3,000 people. It was highly engaged, which was the most important part was like my live videos that I was watching would get hundreds of views, right? I would have a lot of people and Facebook groups were a little bit different back then. Smaller groups get higher engagement like that. But you know, I'd have like 50 people on every day listening to these live videos, getting hundreds of replay. And people really wanted a simpler way to listen in. And so, yeah, I did have an engaged community around the topic of decluttering for moms and sticking with it and being consistent now, I think is why I continue to get new listeners. It's why I continue to get a lot of downloads and listens and shares is because I had that community first. And I don't know, I think podcasts can be really fun and exciting to start. And it's an authority platform, right? Like people take it seriously. Like I did, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have a podcast now. Like that just feels official. But I think it would have been discouraging and disappointing if I hadn't had at least, it's not that you even need like thousands and thousands of people in your community. You just need dedicated listeners who enjoy hearing you speak. Yes. Uh, it's so important. Circling back to the SEO part, When you first started, the SEO part was probably the case. Since Google started picking up a lot more of the search engine stuff, and like when you search things, you'll notice a couple scrolls, like a few scrolls down, not pages through, but scrolls down, that there'll be like a list of podcasts. So now they are optimizing for SEO. So the ones that you'll want to look for specifically are what you're titling your podcast and then what the show description is, and then they actually AI listen to your episode to see what it is that the episode is about. So if you make sure that the title, description, and what you're talking about matches really well, then Google can index you now, which I think is really cool. You don't necessarily need it to be on your WordPress site or on your website. For everyone listening, if you are curious, we do have an episode in the tech tip series called SEO for your podcast. So go ahead and go back and listen to that. And I go through the different ways to optimize your podcast for SEO. But yeah, when you first started, that was definitely the case where there weren't really a lot of options on the side of making sure that your podcast could be optimized for search engines. That is really good to hear because I didn't even know that Google was adding that little part to include podcast features. I was assuming that it was only for my website, which is what I've been focusing on. But that's really encouraging to hear. And I do think even with SEO, right? Like SEO on podcasting or YouTube or wherever, Pinterest even, you do still need that community. Like I don't think anything ever fully replace a strong community. Yeah, it's the difference between getting those spikes of listeners and having regular listeners, right? So when you see those... And this is something that we've been looking at with our clients of like, hey, you were a guest on this show. What happened to your numbers around that time? Okay, there was this big spike, but where did it drop down to? Where did it level out to afterwards? That kind of shows you if those people that came over are actually your people, right? So if they come over, they listen to your show, and they're like, meh, not for me, they move on, or do they come over, listen to your show, and think, oh my goodness, yes, I needed this, and then they stay. 
I think looking at those things is important too. To your point, you want those dedicated listeners. You want those people who are going to show up regularly for you and kind of fangirl over you. (laughs) Have you ever had that where like maybe you're at a conference or you've had a one-on-one call with someone and they're like, I listen to your podcast. I feel like I know you. Yeah. And it's so funny because I always felt like once I had that moment, I'd be like, oh, I made it. And then it happened. And I was like, this is actually really sweet, like so endearing. And I'm like, it's so great to actually meet somebody else on the other side. So yeah, yeah. I think too, like the trends in general for all online communities, social media as well are trending towards micro communities, you know, rather than chasing big numbers, chasing thousands and hundreds of thousands of whatever. The trends are all like, just show us that you've got a really solid group of people consistently are there. Love to hear what you have to say. Even when it comes to brand sponsorships and stuff, they're starting to like, be like, well, you don't need a hundred (laughs) thousand followers, whatever. Like if you have 5,000 people in your engagement, percentage is higher, like we would prefer that. So I think that's another reason to really focus on the community side of your podcast. Yes, 100%. So you've gotten around 400,000 downloads over the course of the last three years. For people who are just starting out and like, whoa, wait a minute, I want to get to that point. First of all, don't compare yourself because numbers are just numbers. And there's a lot of different factors that go into those. You could not replicate exactly what Krista did and get those same numbers. So keep that in mind, first and foremost. But what are some lessons that you've learned as you've grown your podcast and grown your group? If you can get really clear on your messaging, you will never run out of things to talk about. You might feel like you're saying the same things on repeat over and over again. And that's okay. Like, that's the point. Like, if you can get feedback from your listeners where they're like, I want to ask you this question but I also know exactly what you're going to tell me. (laughs) You've won. You've won the messaging and the podcasting game. And it's funny because when I look at my stats for like the amount of regular listeners that I have, it's about a thousand listeners. And my episodes get a couple thousand downloads per episode. And people will tell me that they, they have like set goals to listen to my podcast start to finish. And then they go back and they listen again. And so I think like having that depth of your messaging, even if it feels mundane to you, because there's sometimes where I'm like, I literally talk about this all the time. Like it's a new episode with the same underlying message. I'm just, you know, I've got five kids. And so there's lots of different ways to tell the stories, but the, the messages are the same. That's how you build trust with people. And that's how you build really loyal, engaged communities who show up over and over again and listen to your stuff. Like, there's a little like micro group within my group of moms who are like, we're going to listen start to finish together. And then we're going to do it again. And I'm like, amazing. Like that's what ultimately that's what I want my podcast to be. And all of my content, you know, my courses, my, my everything to be a space where they can come back to again and again and know that they're going to get the support that they need, like consistent support from me breeds consistent reciprocal support from them listening to my show. Right. And sharing it with their friends. So yeah, I think that's the biggest lesson is keep it simple. The things that you that feel really easy for you to understand and feel like you're saying on repeat probably aren't that easy to understand for other people. And they need to hear it more than once. And they need to hear it more in different ways. Like you said, you're like, we've talked a lot about imperfect launching a podcast on here, but we're going to do it again because the point is still the same. Do it imperfectly. <laughs> but there's so many different ways to do it, right? 
Yeah, I think so often we get bogged down by like this idea of, well, I've already talked about it or my audience has already heard me say it. And so I don't have to say it again. Or I already talked about it over on this podcast. I shouldn't talk about it over on this one. And like your people, even if they're listening to every place where you're talking, it probably still hasn't clicked. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening to you. They'd be like, nope, I've got it. I'm good. We're gold. (laughs) But instead, they're like, hey, I need to hear this. And most of the time, people need to hear things. What is it like seven touch points before someone buys? And I recently heard a study, and guys, please don't quote me on this because there are so many stats living in my brain, (laughs) but (laughs) that the attention span of people, depending on the generation, I believe it was like six seconds for millennials, and then now it's down to like three seconds for Gen Z. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, you have to loop people in quickly to get them to listen and stay for the whole time. Which is why I'm probably going to do an episode on where our podcast headed in the future, because I think it's going to shift to more micro content, especially with the rise of like TikTok and quick bites of information. But to your point, I think that it's so important to not stop talking about your message and to make sure that you're clear on it. Otherwise, it can get a bit muddled up. I love also that your content is specifically talking to one type of person, right? So it's a mom who's struggling with clutter. That's it. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. You're not like, also dog moms. That's fine too. No, like moms who have clutter, who probably have more than two kids, I'm guessing, right? Like you've narrowed it down to the point where they know who you're talking to, you know who you're talking to, and it makes it so much easier to what you said earlier, you never run out of things to say. Yeah, it's, it is specific and it's gotten more specific. It started off as moms and then, yeah, people come in and they're like, well, what about (laughs) dog moms is literally one that they say. And I'm like, I mean, you're welcome, but I speak through the lens of motherhood. And so it might not be relatable. And they're like, well, what about dads? And I'm like, same thing. Like, it's similar, but different. I'm going to be speaking through the lens of motherhood. And if they want to listen, like they can listen to the podcast. I can't guarantee it's going to resonate with them or even caregivers. Like caregivers is a pretty broad term, right? Like it could be caregivers for elders, but you know, I do include things like foster moms, adoptive moms, LGBTQ moms, inclusive to motherhood, but still motherhood. Right. Cause I think it's, it's unique. I don't think I can relate to the ways that dads have to declutter because (laughs) social norms are so different. (laughs) Yes. Moms specifically. And then you said something too about like the way that podcasting is going to change that I've noticed in my own podcast is if you listen to my early podcast, they're all like 30 to 40 minutes long. And now they're like nine to 10 minutes long with like a couple minutes before and after of some kind of a promotion or a freebie or a course or an upcoming thing I have going. I've shortened mine down a lot and I don't know if it's because of the trends and I'm like, I'm noticing that things need to be shorter or if it's because I'm so dialed in on my messaging where it's like, now I can say things in nine minutes instead of 30 minutes because I've said it so many times. (laughs) Yeah, I think it could be a combination of the two, right? Because I think when we first start a podcast and we do have a guest who is going before yours where she talks about this or she says, I could talk for two hours to someone like, I want to know what your second grade teacher said to you. Like, I want to know all the things. 
But my audience doesn't want to hear that. They don't care. And so I have to know what my audience wants to hear and go that direction rather than just having a podcast for me. They're very different types of podcasts. Yeah. And on that note too, like I speak to moms who they have limited time. Like when I was doing live videos, it was like we were getting together and like hanging out together. And it was a nice thing that way. Now that I've switched more to just podcasts instead of doing them live and a podcast, they're shorter because they don't have that time. And there is a podcast that I listen to called, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Be There in Five, which is hilarious because her episodes are all like two and a half hours long. It's usually part one and part two, each two and a half hours long, but she covers like, it's like my guilty pleasure. She covers things that are like edgy, like pop culture things. <laughs> and I'm just like hooked. It's like reality TV, but like reality podcast. But she covers these social topics that are important and matter. And she goes really deep into them. And then she'll have, so she calls those her deep dives. And then she has shorter episodes that she calls a snorkel. And they're only like 45 minutes long. But I'm like, it's so interesting to me that, yeah, the trend is like, shorter, more to the point, but then there's always going to be somebody who's outside of that who can still make it work. And I think that's where it comes to like knowing what works for you, marrying that with what your audience wants, I think is where you find that sweet spot, right? Like going into this podcast, I was like, all right, I already know. There's no way that I can do solo episodes longer than 20 minutes. There's no way I'm going to be able to talk that long. But then I have this one client where she can do solo episodes and her solo episodes are never shorter than like 45 minutes. And I'm like, how, how in the world do you talk that long by yourself? Like, I can't talk to myself that long. But you have to find what works for you, what works for your audience, marry those two. Like I said before, you can't replicate exactly what Krista did and get the same results. That's not how it's going to work. You do what's going to work for you. Look at what the stats are showing you at what the information that your audience is giving you. And like, we had one client where she had two people in her audience reach out and say, hey, can you do your episodes around 20 minutes instead of 40? And she was like, sure, I can do that. I didn't even think of that. Like, listen to the feedback that your audience is giving you and do things based off of that. So I love that you are in tune with your audience and with your community and what they need and what they want. Ah. So good. I've noticed lately that there's been a bit of a shift with Facebook and Facebook groups. And I know that they've changed their algorithm for their groups at least five times in the last two years. So what are you doing on that front for anyone who's like, hey, I have a community on Facebook. It's engaged or it's not engaged. And maybe I want to revitalize it or I want to move it elsewhere. Do you have any tips or tricks for that? Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite things to do. And it all comes down to the generic word is market research, right? Like get to know your audience. But the problem that people aren't quite sure even how to ask the right kinds of questions. And in hindsight, as I've like, you know, looked on what I've done in the past, it's that I always ask questions that get engagement. I ask questions that make my audience feel like I understand them. And so then we can have conversations. I'll give a specific example in just a second, but I ask those questions that start the conversation so that we can have a feedback loop of me replying and it feels supportive to them because it is. And then it is like my biggest asset, like my biggest asset is that community space. And that's kind of how I view my group rather than viewing my group as a place to like get a lot of people and like 
have a lot of people like my stuff, my group is a space for me to get access to messaging that my people actually want to hear. So um, one example is when I, when I first opened the group, I knew that I wanted, I thought I wanted to do a blog. Turns out I wanted to do a podcast, but, you know, just asking them questions. So like when you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing you have to do? Like as a mom, what is the first thing you have to do and what messes are in your way? And they're like dishes because my kids wake up hungry and there's dishes from last night. And so I'm like, okay, great. You guys want me to give you a, you know, a video on how to declutter your dishes? And they're like, yes. <laughs> or when was the last time you were caught up on laundry? Just that's a simple question. And they're all like, never, 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 never. I've never been caught up on laundry. There's always laundry everywhere. But then if you can ask the questions in a certain way to get them to give you feedback, like a simple yes or no question, they'll always give you more. So I think that's the key is simplifying the questions that you ask people. I think sometimes we want to over-explain. We want to like solve the problem for them. All you have to do is ask them an opener. <laughs> like how many toys do your kids have? And they'll be like a million thousand, way too many. I'm so frustrated. I can never, it's too many toys. Nobody ever give me any toys or they'll just open up and be like, I never buy my kids toys. My in-laws are always sending us toys and we have too many. And so that's a conversation for me to be like, want me to do a conversation about setting boundaries with family who gives you too much stuff. And they're like, Oh my gosh, yes. please." So, and that's how I still treat my group. And it keeps the engagement up because people want to answer the questions, right? People want to talk about themselves and I want them to do that so that I know what to talk about. And when I first started my group, I set a goal of like having a solid bank of like 30 blog posts that people could refer to that would cover everything that they need. And they're still on my site. It's like toys, dishes, clothes, sentimental things, like kids who don't want to get rid of anything, all these things. And basically ever since then, I've just been cycling through the same like 30 topics, just covering it in different ways, applying it to different times of the year, right? Like setting boundaries with family during Christmas is different than setting boundaries with family you know, any other time of the year, like you really have to set your boundaries with your family every other day of the year, not only at Christmas. (laughs) So yeah, just asking them questions that make them want to talk to you, which I realize is a unique skill set, but it's really helpful. (laughs) Yes. It reminds me of this podcast that I recently edited for a client where it's about like agencies and selling, selling B2B and like millions of dollars in sales and things like that. I thought it was interesting, but the salesperson was saying like, you can't ask generic questions. You're going to get generic answers. So if you go into a sales call and you say something like, okay, this has a point, guys, (laughs) follow me. (laughs) If you go into a sales call and you say, what are you struggling with most right now? You're going to get a generic response. People's guards are going to be up because they're like, well, what are you trying to sell me? But This is why I love your questions, because they're so tuned in, like you said, to what your audience is already struggling with and what you already know about them. You're so clear on that. And you're not just like, hey, guys, what are you struggling with? Now, because you have this audience and because they know you, they probably will be like, oh, decluttering this, decluttering this, decluttering that, because they know that they want your answers to those things. But in the beginning, they'd probably be like, oh, my spouse is doing this and my job is doing this. And it's not going to be as narrowed down to the topics and to the end result that you need, which is content ideas, right? Things that you can talk to your audience about. Yeah. 
And in the beginning, when I was trying to get to those more specific spaces, it was a balance and I kind of stopped doing it pretty quickly. But it was a balance of looking at other people who were talking about similar things as me and finding inspiration, not so that I could give people the same answers that they're giving, but so that I could figure out what kinds of questions people were, were asking. And that was helpful for me. And then once I started getting momentum around the conversations in my group, I stopped following those people because it's really challenging to not absorb their message as your own. But yeah, I, I did do that of like, oh, people struggle with, like you said, oh, my spouse, he doesn't want to get rid of anything. Or, you know, I pack things up in a donate pile and my spouse goes behind my back and brings it all back in the house, <laughs> which is what happens. Kids do it too. Just things that I wouldn't have expected unless I opened up those conversations. But it is, I think it can be helpful too to look at other people in the same arena as you just to get inspiration for what to talk about and then answer with your own, your own opinions, your own beliefs, which will get refined and changed over time. And I think the deeper you go in recording episodes and just practicing your messaging, you'll get more solid in your beliefs and your opinions and the ones that you aren't so passionate about or that change will just kind of fall away and you'll become known for that. And people will want to hear it again and again. (laughs) And that was another thing I wanted to touch on too earlier, but having depth in your messaging and not worrying about saying the same things we've touched on a little bit, but just don't worry about saying the same things over and over again, that depth and that repetition builds trust. And I have kids, right? Like my kids want to hear the same things from me all the time. They want to know that the rules are consistent. They want to know that if they do something unpredictable, I'm going to respond predictably (laughs) as much as I can because I still, I mean, I have five kids, so it's not easy. (laughs) A little bit easier on my podcast to stay consistent in my messaging, but the same with your listeners. Like they want that predictability of like, I know I can go here. She's going to have reliable content. She's going to basically train me to come up with my own answers (laughs) based on what she talks about. And I think that's the sign of a great podcast. Yeah, we have an episode. We'll make sure to link it in the show notes. It's called Going Deep With Your Content Instead of Wide. So make sure you guys go back and listen to that one. And then it also makes me think of if you're listening to a podcast and say you're listening to a true crime podcast, right? And you expect that you're going to show up, they're going to talk about true crime. But then all of a sudden they have an episode that's like a Nat Geo on flamingos. Like (laughs) there's flamingos on my screen. That's why... uh, (laughs) I'm using that example. But like, you're going to be like, what is this? Like, Where did this come from? And that's why I think that predictability, like they're showing up every week or every two weeks or every month for you specifically. And the topic that you're going to talk about, if you deviate from that, or you deviate from those main filters that you're using to funnel your content through, then your audience is going to get confused. And you don't want them to get confused because confused people don't buy. <laughs> Yeah. And on that note too, about the attention spans getting shorter and shorter and shorter, despite attention spans being so short, I think that humans in general really crave consistency and predictability. You know, I have five kids, I Montessori trained, and that's one of the things that Montessori really ingrains in you is repetition, depth, predictability, knowing what to expect, communicating that. And I think even online with these short attention spans and these reels and and whatever they're great like we have to engage in that to some degree and if you can become known as the person that is predictable is reliable like 
yes, maybe their episodes require you to listen for 20 minutes. <laughs> They're going to come to appreciate that. And I think kind of, you know, that's the kind of sustainability that we all want, especially for listeners. It's like, they don't just jump from show to show to show. They're like, I know when I'm coming to your podcast, I'm coming to your podcast and I'm going to stay eventually. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, this has been so good, Krista. Thank you so much for being on and sharing. Where can people find you, get to know you? And if they're struggling with declutter and all of those things, especially as we head into the holidays, where can they find you? Yeah. So motherhoodsimplified.com is my website. It's got my podcast on it with SEO. (laughs) It's got the podcast. It's got where you can join the group, like free guides for decluttering, if that's what you need, as well as links to like the Facebook group. If you like Facebook groups, it's all there. Just motherhood simplified across all the platforms. Perfect. We'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Listeners to Leads. If you found something in this episode valuable, I would really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend who you know would also get value from it. Want to send me a message? My favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me at alicia.lottie. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was from the episode. And don't forget, turning those listeners into leads is actually easy.